Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on red. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast. It is Matt Bruning back at it again, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network. It is Thursday, January 17th. Awesome, fun-filled episode for you guys today. Me and Mr. Dennis Bennett will be joining me here in just a minute, and we will be talking about the AFC and NFC championship games this weekend, and then obviously we will jump into our quarterback prospects for the 2019 draft. Fairly early rankings on these guys, so don't take them too, you know, to heart on this. Uh, give us, uh, obviously, the rest of the offseason combine, all that stuff to play out to before we give you guys our official rankings on them, but these are our top five as of the moment. A couple disagreements may be in there. Maybe we're, we're all uh, uh, agreement in the top five. We will see. I just wanted to do a little promo right beforehand. I want to thank the Pulse Podcasting Network so much for the equipment and everything they have hooked me up with. And wanted to give a shout out to my guy, Jeremy Barker. Uh, Bark, who is one of the hosts on the Back Row Fantasy Show. Check that out, uh, dude. Sat there and video chatted with me again to help me get all this stuff set up to allow me to have Dennis Bennett on today to go over all this stuff. Again, so so before I bring him in, I just wanted to apologize to you guys really quick. Um, this recording and everything, uh, there's a little bit of audio issues throughout the uh, interview with him, and I want to apologize about that. You guys, uh, as you'll see, can hear my kids at times. Uh, I've got a five and a three-year-old, guys, uh, and they're not always wanting to be cooperative when it's time to record. I did get a lot of new equipment uh, that I'm still trying to figure out. I haven't quite figured out how to use all of it just yet, still trying to put it together. Uh, so as you'll hear a couple times, I'll hit my mic uh, on my hand. I do apologize about that as well um, and then obviously I get fairly excited new mic uh, it picks up my voice a whole lot better than the headset that I'm using at the moment uh, and I have to use the mic for when I'm doing the interviews for sure uh, usually with the solo podcast I'll just use my headset the audio is pretty fairly easy going uh, I you know it's not going to pick me up when I get too excited uh, it doesn't get too loud it's going to get a little bit loud here at time guys so I just want to apologize about that ahead of time um, I, I worked did my best to try and, and get it to a, a manageable level but the 
are some times that I get pretty excited throughout the episode, uh, and it gets pretty loud. Uh, but in my opinion, it's such great content that Dennis has given you, uh, and myself as well, in previewing the games and on our prospects. I didn't want to cut it out, and I didn't want to delete it all. Um, so I just wanted to give you guys a heads up ahead of time that it was a little bit of some audio issues throughout the episode. Again, I really do apologize, but I thank you guys so much for listening to it. Um, and, and I will promise you guys I will get better throughout uh, as as this goes. Like I said, it's a, it's a whole new process for me. I've been doing this pretty much solo throughout and even uh, when I've had Dennis on and I actually had a couple other guests on earlier in the off season, uh, I pretty much did everything through the headsets and sometimes their audio didn't come through as well as it is now but now that I've got the mixer um, and, and the microphone and everything set up, uh, it just sounds better the quality is better and that's what I'm aiming for better quality, uh, but like I said I'm still trying to learn how to use everything there so at times the, the volume spikes uh, and I just wanted to apologize to you guys ahead of time, let you know what was going to happen uh, before you guys listen to the interview. And so, honestly, without further ado, let's go ahead and get Dennis on here. And we finally have Mr. Dennis Bennett. You can follow him at Culture underscore Coach with us on the podcast, taking feels like many a days, many a years with the way I've been struggling trying to get this stuff set up. But we finally got it. It is all set up. Dennis, what is going on? Am I here? You are. Am I here. really here? You are, buddy. You're here. We finally Did I got finally this make it? Oh you my gosh! It. You you you've made it to the big time, or maybe the other way around. I mean, you're you're the big time. I finally got the big time on my podcast. That's the way I'm looking at it. So as we talked about, I've been talking about for weeks now, as I've been trying to trying to get all this stuff figured out and get you on here. Uh, you know, we were gonna break down the wild card games. The conference games, everything, but we're fine. Or division games, but we're finally here for the conference games for today's podcast. As I already talked about earlier in the intro, me and Dennis here are going to break down the conference games, and then we're going to start talking about our very early uh, rankings for our prospects. We're going to do our top five quarterbacks today and our top ten running backs. Now, these are going to change. Obviously, uh, I've already changed my rankings once since what I wrote up on my guys uh, back in week eight. But this is just kind of a very early version of what to look at, who we like before all the combines and pro days and everything start happening. But even before we get to that, let's go ahead and jump into the conference finals games. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. Y'all not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. I want to score. two what looks to be really good games. I'm excited for both of them. I'm hoping they're going to be better than the uh, the craptastic games we had here this past weekend as I personally didn't think any of those games were that good. So we're going to start with this, the, I almost called them the St. Louis Rams right there. I almost did it. The Los Angeles Rams going to the Dome and playing the New Orleans Saints. Before we get into the storylines of the game, I just kind of want to get your prediction on, on what you think the Rams are going to do going to New Orleans and then we'll talk the Saints side. I think the Rams are going to be playing keep up. Uh, I, I think New Orleans is hot right now, and so the Rams are coming in, and they have to get some yardage out of the guys on the ground. And, and uh, Goff, frankly, has been not as good without Cooper Cup. Woods is pretty good. Cooks is pretty good. 
Everett steps up every now and again. But with Gurley banging up his knee, and uh, even though CJ came on and, and did a nice job, uh, Goff has just been a, a half a step or a step down from where he was with Cup. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I think they'll be playing keep up. I, I agree with you on that. I do think Cup has Cup going out has really changed the way this offense has looked. I do like the way that uh, that the running game has been working, especially with CJ Anderson being in there and, and everything he's done. Um, it's going to be interesting for me to see what Brandon Cooks can do. He was already talking earlier this week, uh, not necessarily a revenge game narrative, even though this is his old team, but the the kind of experience he's gathered playing uh, this team the past couple times that he has now and, and getting into it. So one of the storylines a lot of people are talking about in, in both of these games really is the passing of the torch from the older quarterbacks to the younger quarterbacks. Um I see it a little bit differently in both games. So do you think that Drew Brees is not necessarily passing the torch to Jared Goff to be the next best NFC quarterback, but do you see Jared Goff kind of coming up and being one of those top three in the NFC? Well, I think Goff is going to consistently run up against the same argument that Brady has ran up against for the last 10 or 12 years. Is he a system quarterback? So if if Goff and McVay stick together for the next 12 years – 12 years from now, we'll be sitting around going, was he great because of McVeigh, or did he make McVeigh great? Just right. like it's, was Brady great because of Belichick or did Belichick make Brady great or Brady make Belichick great? So it's going to be, it'll be that same argument, I think. So can Goff, Goff be the next, one of the next great NFC quarterbacks? I, I think so. But he's going to have to take another step from where he is. He's got a, you know, one thing Brady did was there were times when he put the team on his shoulders. And I think Goff is, if he's going to beat the, if they're going to beat the Saints this week, I think Goff has to put that team on his shoulders. And he's going to have to make some plays that make people go, I wasn't sure he could do that. I agree with you 100% on that. that. That's my biggest fear with Jared Goff. That's why I can't say it. I have to see it this weekend before I say that he is passing the torch down uh, to Jared Goff. Because I personally, I know Jared Goff has looked awesome at the beginning of this year, and obviously he looked really good at times last year when McVay first took over this team. Uh, but I just don't see it. I still I still think Jared Goff has a lot to prove, in my opinion. I think if you take away uh, kind of what Gurley does for that offense, they would not be he would not be anywhere as productive as, as he has been. I know that's an easy thing to say to take possibly the best running back out of that backfield, but I do think that that takes a lot of pressure off of Goff, and I don't think that he is uh, necessarily shown to me what he has to take to be a top three quarterback in the NFC right now. I agree. I think, you know, it's it's a, it's a one of those make-or-break kind of statement games for him this week, so we'll see, we'll see if he's up to the task. Agree 100%. Now, Gurley, obviously he's coming in still dealing with the knee issue. Do you think that that affects the Rams' chances to win this game? Uh, Or do you think that maybe C.J. Anderson is just getting uh, too much or maybe a little bit more run because they're saving him up for these last two games? That's the question I think everybody's going to be on the lookout for. I I definitely think if if the Rams fall behind – then there's nothing to save him for, so they're going to put him out there. Right. Um, whether he's gimpy or not, unless it's hurting the team, they're going to have him out there and playing. If it's a close game and they're able to to rest him some, and, and you know, Anderson is producing. He's He's been out of the, you know, I guess I would consider, I guess the Carolina games out of the league. He wasn't really playing. And uh, 
So I think if uh, if he's able to produce like he has been these last three games, then and and the game is close, I think that they're going to spell Gurley a little bit more. But if the game is is uh, tight or they need to um, play catch up, you know they're going to have Gurley in there doing that uh, unless he's hurting the game. So you know from a fan perspective, I I hope he uh, I hope his knee's better. I hope he's doing good. I hope he's had enough time to rest it and and uh, he can make it a great game gonna be it's gonna be something to watch i think though yeah i agree with you um i've really loved what cj anderson's actually been able to do i think a lot of people have kind of forgotten that he was he was a thousand yard rusher last year like he wasn't just somebody sitting around doing nothing i know that this year he obviously got signed off of off the couch technically to come play for for the rams but he went to to oakland before this and didn't do anything and then got cut again and then got brought in by the rams uh, you know, everybody wants to poke fun of, including myself. I've done it on the podcast a couple times. Uh, the, the, he's rocking the dad bod and, and looks like he easily weighs about three bills out there uh, with how big he looks in that very tight jersey of his. But he's been balling out. And that's not all the Rams offensive line. A lot of that you have to put on him. He's shown us before that he can be productive. And I think that that could be the reason why they win this game. Uh, New Orleans is top. I think they're actually still the top defense against the run. So if you can get Gurley going and C.J. Anderson like they did against the Cowboys, which I didn't expect, I picked the Cowboys to win that game. I thought with that linebacker core and that defensive line that they would be able to shut, and not shut them down, but to limit them to what they were able to do. Uh, They're going to be able to at least stay in this game like you were talking about. And and Gurley and Anderson together, I think that duo is going to be very powerful in trying to help them win this game. What they're really going to have to do, and I think we can both agree with this being huge fans of Ohio State, they're going to have to try and find a way to shut down can't guard Mike, Mr. Mike Thomas, who I have repeatedly said I thought was the best wide receiver in the league. Do you think they're even going to have a chance to shut down Mike Thomas in this one? Well, they have Tlaib and Peters back, so their cornerbacks are back at full strength. And what the what the Rams defense has shown, uh, and they showed it. Uh, was it? Did they have the shootout earlier this year? Was it with the Saints or was that with the uh, Kansas City? It was with the I, Saints, I but they did not have yeah. Akeem Talib. Akeem Talib was still hurt at that point in time. It was Marcus Peters. Uh, I believe he shadowed Michael Thomas most of the game, and Michael Thomas put up the two hundred plus yards and obviously that game ceiling touchdown where he did the the awesome cell phone celebration. So. In that game, the the Rams defense just kept making just enough plays to keep a minute. Right. And the Saints defense was doing the same thing. So I would expect, while the Rams defense might not, nec- you know, I could see I could see a game where uh, Michael Thomas gets 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns, mm-hmm. and it's a three point win by the Saints. I could see a game where Thomas gets 200 yards and two touchdowns, and the Saints win by 27. Yeah. So you don't see it's just it, oh. the defense has to to make plays. They're timely in their plays typically, and a lot of that is led by Aaron Donald. Uh-huh. But with their cornerbacks back at full strength, I think that definitely is going to give them uh, a little boost. Right. So with with the two scenarios you gave there, though, you don't see at least for what you're you're seeing with both these teams, you don't think there's a chance that the Rams can run away with this game. You think if they win, it's going to be a close game. You don't think they have a chance, not necessarily blow out the Saints, but say win by more than seven, say a ten to fourteen game win or point win. No, I I think if if the Rams win it, I think it's going to be a, a, at most a seven point game. I think if the okay. Saints win it, it could be a close game or they could be up by three touchdowns. Uh, 
are the Rams explosive? They are, mm-hmm. but all in all, I think the the Saints defense is the better of the two defenses. I I agree with you one hundred percent on that. All right. So speaking of Michael Thomas, obviously. If they are able to shut him down, they're gonna have, the Saints are going to have to rely on somebody else. What wide receiver on this team do you think could step up with Michael Thomas if he gets shut down to help the Saints end up winning this game? Well, I, I believe it'd be the, the first the first uh, person in line is going to be Ted Ginn. Uh, Agree. You know, he's back. He plays a very specific role on that team, and I, I think he has the ability to put up – You know, he can put up a uh, – five catch 125 yard game mm-hmm. he opens up the underneath and even even if uh let's say Ginn has three catches Trey Quan Smith has three catches and Kirkwood has three catches um I would almost attribute the other guys three catches in part to Ginn taking the top off the defense and opening it up underneath for them yeah so Ginn is the Ginn is you know in his advanced years is kind of turning into the the leader of that wide receiver room you know, when he got drafted out of Ohio State at number seven by the 49ers, I thought, I, now I love Ohio State. I thought it was one of the worst draft picks I'd ever seen. I'm <laughs> like, there's no way that guy's worth a, a seventh overall pick. Right. Or somewhere in that range. But he went through, you know, they tried to make him a number one receiver, and that just wasn't his game. He excelled at the return game. And over the years, he has worked on his craft of being a receiver and has turned into a really, really solid number two receiver. And there are games where he can step up and make plays that almost feel like he's taken over the game. And if, if Thomas is struggling or, you know, Peters and Tlaib are shutting him down mm-hmm. or they're te- double teaming him, you know, Ginn can get open and, and make some plays. And Ginn can really hurt that team. I think, uh, you know, Kirkwood and Traquan, yeah, both decent receivers, both young. But if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm playing DFS and I'm looking for something, I, I'm going to be looking for Ginn out of those three. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on that. And and I love Ted Ginn. I actually think uh, if you go back and people look at the actual stats of these games, uh, while Ted Ginn was out, when another wide receiver wasn't doing that much, Michael Thomas actually struggled during times throughout there, even playing uh, defenses that are not up to par as what the Rams are. And I, I still don't think the Rams defense is that great. I'd put him like in the middle tier defenses uh, in the league. Michael Thomas needs that number two. He needs that guy who can open up the defense on, up, over the top like Ted Ginn can. Uh, and I agree with you. I think that if they're able to shut down Mike Thomas, which I think we both agree, I don't, they will be able to, I think they'll be able to limit him compared to what he did last time. I don't see him putting up 210 yards on him, uh, but I could see easily see him going over 100, and I do think that Ted Ginn is going to play a big role in this game as well. Uh, You were referencing earlier the Rams' defensive line. Uh, Just looking at both of these teams, their offensive lines and their defensive lines, which defensive line would you take and which offensive line would you take? Because obviously we know, and most people who watch football know, that that's where the game is going to be won. It's going to be won in the trenches. Uh, These offensive and defensive lines battling each other to keep the quarterbacks clean and the running game going. I think if I'm if I'm going to target a specific spot right now uh, on the lines, I'm going to target uh, Andrus Pete. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's really started to struggle a little bit coming off. Uh, he's been dinged up, and he he's just not playing up to his his potential. And I think if you line Aaron Donald up across him at left guard, mm-hmm. uh, and and Sue on the inside, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna push him back, and <laughs> they're gonna cause him to to hold. 
they're going to create problems for him. Uh, and so right now, if I'm uh, if I'm New Orleans, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, OK, how do I take these two monster D tackles and help my guard when I my other guard is likely going to need some help as well? Mm-hmm. Because if you got Sue on Pete, Sue is more likely to overpower Pete, whereas Donald is more likely to go around him with a little more speed and quickness. Right. And I feel like that's going to be the spot that that the Saints are going to have to cover up for lack of a better term. Yeah. So that's the that's the weak spot. I I agree with you on that. I think the only thing they might be able to do uh and I could see him doing it because I don't think uh, obviously uh Dar- not uh Darnold uh but Ben Watson I don't think that he's uh, going to play that much in the receiving game, so I could see them trying to keep him in a little bit chip block if Mark Ingram is out there, because I think he's a, a little bit better pass blocker than Alvin Kamara is. Do whatever he can to do the same thing to chip Donald or Sue, whoever's coming in on Breeze, just to try and give him a little bit more time. Uh, since you went the Rams route, I'll go the Saints route. Um for the Saints, I think the biggest issue for them is going to be, again, we, we were talking earlier about how the Saints are still the number one uh, defense against the run, uh, and obviously going up against one of the best backs in my in um, everyone's opinion, really, in Todd Gurley. Losing Sheldon Rankins last week to that Achilles injury is going to be huge. Uh, he was one of the big reasons why they were so good against the run this year. Add into the fact that now they're going up against what's possibly one of the best offensive lines in the game. Uh, right now, the Rams' offensive line, none of those starters have missed a play so far this season. They've all stayed healthy all year long. they played together all year long, a lot like the Falcons' offensive line a couple years ago when they obviously made it to the Super Bowl. You can't take that chemistry um, for for a joke or anything like that. Like That's serious. That is a big deal for a lot of offensive lines, for them to be able to stay together like that, play healthy, stay healthy all year long. I think that's going to be a key to this game as well. Uh, Their offensive line doing a good job of shutting out, uh, not necessarily shutting out, but keeping them from sacking golf. And I do think that Gurley and Anderson are going to be able to do some work here with uh, the Saints losing Rankins. I think that's going to be a bigger blow than I think a lot of people are talking about, uh, up till this point at least, in previewing the games. So with all that said... I would concur. concur. Who are you picking to go? Well, I'm going to give a two-part question, actually. Who are you picking to go, and who do you want to win if it's different? Like, say, if you want the Rams to win, but you think the Saints are going to win, or if you think if it's both the same team, who you got? You know, I'm I'm going to pick the the Saints. Okay, I feel like, uh, and and this is where I show my age. You know, <laughs> I like I like sustained greatness. I you know I enjoyed watching Tiger Woods be great all those years, mm-hmm. even though I grew up as a Detroit Pistons fan. I enjoyed watching the Bulls win six and eight years or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Yankees winning all those World Series. I like watching teams that are really good and players that are, are really good. And so for me, I, I want to see the Saints. I, I want to – and I'll, I'm going to preview my, my pick in the other game. I want to see the two old guys go at it that have okay. been playing at a high level for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And see if one of them – it would be interesting to see if one of them goes John Elway and rides out uh, into the sunset with the with the trophy. Interesting, interesting. So I'm going to agree with you. I do think that the Saints end up winning the game. Um, and I don't want to give a cop-out answer, uh, but I – in all honesty, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing like you just did with both games. I really don't care – who wins it at all four of these teams? I obviously, as many of people who listen to the podcast know, I'm a huge Browns fan, so I don't have a rooting interest either way in these games. Um, 
I'd love to see Drew Brees win it one more time. I don't think that he would ride off into the sunset if he did. I actually would lean more Brady possibly doing that with the way that he's yeah, looked. But I, I think so, too. I think if one of them is going to win and ride off, it's probably Brady. But... Right. Yeah, see, I, I agree with you on that. I could see that. I think uh, Brees, if he were to win it, uh, which is interesting for me, it's actually something I was talking about uh, earlier uh, on a different podcast. I think uh, a lot of people... I think they have Drew Brees as a Hall of Famer, but they don't have him in that upper echelon of the QB class. And I think for whatever reason, if he gets that second ring, people will do it. I personally have him there already. I think he is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. If you just go back and look at his career back from college at Purdue to everything he's done in the NFL, uh, I think he deserves to be up there. Uh, but a lot of people don't unless he gets that second ring. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, if the Rams make it, it'll just be interesting to see that explosive offense and kind of the young guys who are coming up now and seeing what they can do. But I'm picking the Saints, and that the Saints are actually the team I would like to see move on just because of the the other team that I have going in the AFC, and we'll get to them now, who I think that they'll be playing. So for the Pats and Chiefs, we'll start off with the same thing, uh, the passing of the torch thing. And this one I was talking about earlier, I think this one is more realistic in the passing of the torch. Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes, your thoughts? Well, I I think Brady's game is starting to change. It's changed pretty significantly. Um, it, It is a lot of short timing passes, Throwing in, if you play zone against him, him and Edelman are just going to pick the zone apart. Last last week, James White, it was essentially a run. Uh, he had 15 carries. Mm-hmm. They count as catches, yeah. but he had 15 carries for 97 yards, and it it was almost like what they used to say about the West Coast offense. You know, they treat they treat those passes as an, as an extension of the running game. Yeah, and that's what it looked like with James White last week. So Brady's game is a lot different. He's not going to go down the field anymore like he used to. Um, you know, he was doing it a little bit earlier this year when he had Gordon. He would take more shots. I expect him probably to only do it once or twice in this game. Um, I think that the Pats, if it's if it's as cold as they say it's going to be, I think the Pats are going to come out and they're going to try to pound the ball with Sony Michelle. Wouldn't surprise me to see. Sony get 30 carries. You know, they want to take the ball out of Mahomes' hand. Mahomes is electric. And, you know, if you talk about passing the torch, of the two games, this is the one I wouldn't mind seeing the torch passed in just because I, I, I like Mahomes. I think Mahomes is exciting. Is he going to find the, the right mix of electricity and conservation so that he doesn't create uh, too many turnovers? I think if you look at their losses, they he tended to throw – at least two interceptions, I think, in all of their losses this year. So, But he takes chances, and, and when you take chances, sometimes you don't connect, and, and but it can also be very, very exciting. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on the, the passing of the torch uh, with Mahomes and Brady. Uh, Mahomes has been electric. He does take chances. I, I know all about that. Uh, my guy, Baker Mayfield, he takes himself – fair amount of chances and sometimes it doesn't pay off for him but I I do think that you do kind of have to win games that way sometimes even though obviously Brady, Peyton, some of the greats Aaron Rodgers this year who had like I think three interceptions on the entire year uh, have shown if you play not necessarily conservative but obviously don't turn the ball over that's how you're going to win games Uh, but I agree with you on that that I think uh, if anybody's passing the torch in this one it is Brady to Mahomes Uh, as much as I I, I'm going to be honest I hate some of the Mahomes talk all these people already putting 
him in the into the Hall of Fame after one season. Uh, he has been awesome this year. One of the best seasons I've ever seen with the 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Obviously, only a couple of the quarterbacks have done that, Peyton Manning being the latest. Uh, so... Just what he's done, I would love to see him obviously continue on in this one and go up either against either team, really, because as we talked about, I think both the Rams and Saints can be explosive and they can match exactly what Mahomes can do. You touched on just a minute ago with the weather. Uh, it does seem to be changing a little bit here and there. Obviously, at the beginning of the week, there was a lot of talk about it being like single digits. Uh, it has jumped up to 19 degrees now, I believe it what it is. Not that that's really much warmer, but 19 degrees is obviously better than single digits. Um, and I agree with you. Well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, uh, the weather playing obviously a big, uh, a big factor into the game. I do think that uh, Sony Michelle will get a lot of run, like you said, for the Patriots and them trying to. I think also, like you were saying, to keep Mahomes off the field, if they're able to kind of lengthen the drives there and limit the time Patrick Mahomes is on there, it's going to increase their chances of winning. Uh, although Mahomes and Tyree Kill have shown us he can score, they can score a touchdown in a matter of four seconds. So we'll see what happens. I think uh, I would imagine you agree that that's actually what cost the Chiefs the win back when they played the Patriots earlier this season is that Patrick Mahomes, when they got down, they drove down the field way too quickly and scored and left all that time on the clock for Brady. Brady and Belichick, uh, they're too smart. They're going to game plan for that. They're going to do exactly what you were saying. And James White, uh, I do think they're going to use both those guys a lot to kind of limit the amount of time that uh, that Patrick Mahomes and that offense are on the field. With... uh, with that being said, what do you think about Andy Reid? A lot of talk this week, obviously, about how much he has choked in the big games. I've talked about that I think some of that comes down to the fact that he is the offensive coordinator. He's obviously calling the plays and doing all of that. I do think that does kind of hurt him a little bit in seeing the bigger picture. Uh, when you're focusing so much on calling plays and getting your offense running, you're not always paying attention to time management. That is a big criticism of, of Andy Reid. Do you think that he does it again, or do you think just due to the greatness of what we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes and the way those two seem to work well together, this is finally the game that gets Andy Reid over the hump and and just kind of gets rid of that label of him choking in big games? Well, I agree that Reid's issue when it comes to clock management has been because he's the offensive coordinator, and so there's just there's too many things that you need to focus on. So when you're trying to call the plays and watch the clock and check the personnel, those things can get out of hand. And then next thing you know, you're midway through the fourth quarter and you don't have any timeouts or you're late in a game and taking a delay a game because you didn't get the right play in or something. Mm -hmm. So do I think that Reed is going to overcome that? I don't think so because I don't think he's going to change what he does. Gotcha. Um, but does that mean he can't win the game and go to the Super Bowl? I, that's possible. I, I think that he's in a situation now where he's got arguably the best tight end in the game, mm-hmm. the most electric quarterback, the most electric wide receiver, um, a solid running game. Right. Um, the defense is, has been making plays. I wouldn't say they're a great defense, but they step up and make a play when they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had some times this year where they, they just – there wasn't enough time. Uh, I think they, uh, you know, I agree with you, uh, what you said earlier about when they scored on New England earlier mm-hmm. in the season, they left too much time on the clock. Uh, there are some quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. Tom Brady's one of those guys. Drew Brees is one of those guys. And I think Patrick Mahomes is working on becoming one of those guys that if you leave them a minute and a half, it doesn't matter if they have timeouts. Yeah. They're going to figure out a way to get the ball down the field. 
and, and make a big play. So can the Chiefs can, can Andy get him there even if he makes one of those boneheaded plays? It's possible. Um, I don't know that it. You know, there, there's plenty of other things that that could happen that could keep them out, out of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, there's part of me that's kind of pulling for him because he kind of has that. He's like the Chicago Cubs of head coaches. Oh, God, the and, Cubs. And, it, and, it's, uh. and at some point, people just start pulling for you to do well. Uh-huh. And I think I'm kind of at that point with Andy Reid. I'd like to see him go go back again, have his team fully intact. You know, but when he took the Eagles there, uh, they lost Terrell Owens, and he comes back and he's playing on a broken leg or some crazy stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, and so I'd like to see him get in there maybe with, with a, a team that has a chance to, to win it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think that'll change if if he is able to make it to the Super Bowl and even win it. I think that will completely change the narrative a lot of people have on Andy Reid. Uh, I don't think a lot of people give him the credit for just how good of a coach he is based on the playoff woes that he's had. Uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that he took. Uh, the Eagles to the Super Bowl and then of course what we're talking about now the time management thing is really what kind of killed them in that game against the Patriots and then same thing a couple years ago when they took when the Chiefs were playing the Patriots is the same thing I want to say they were down like 14 points against the Patriots and in the fourth quarter there was about 11 minutes left and they took like a six seven six seven minute drive to get down the field to score one touchdown they wasted way too much time Again, that's always been kind of the biggest knock on him, but he is one of the best coaches in the game, I think, uh, and I do think that a, a win here will really kind of help change the narrative on him, maybe give him some of the due or the credit that he is due uh, by a lot of people that aren't giving it to him. So with all that being said, I know you kind of teased it earlier, but what is your official prediction for who you think is going to win the game and then if it's different, who you want to win the game? You know, I think the Chiefs are going to pull it out. Okay. I, I think that they're going to – that Mahomes is going to start to feed the mystique that's around him. You know, you keep seeing that one play on Twitter where it looks like he's throwing a curveball. Yeah. It, it really isn't a curveball. I mean, it's just – it's it's an optical illusion, the uh-huh. way he's moving and the way the receiver's moving and the, the blocker in front of him. Yeah. But it creates all of this mystique around what he can do, his quote-unquote no-look passes, all of the, the stuff like that. And I think that uh, it matters how you experience things growing up. Mm-hmm. And growing up with a dad in the major leagues, you get a chance to experience things earlier. I'm a big proponent of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours. Uh And I think that part of that, part of becoming great in sports is learning how to deal with the things around you. And as a kid, when you get to see your dad playing major league baseball and then having to deal with all of the things around you, you know, Mahomes has had a chance to start to deal with that stuff like that. And so I think that helps him to be less flappable in, in tense situations. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's just going to continue to carry on and he's going to make a play to get them in the Super Bowl. There, Whether it's the next time he's going to take, he's going to drive them down the field and not leave Brady two minutes mm-hmm. or you know, he just gets a couple. He's able to make a couple throws to get him out far enough that the Patriots aren't able to. That they're not able to adapt their game plan of grind, grind, grind fast enough. 
And I'm not saying I know that that's what their game plan is. I'm saying when I look at the thing, my game plan is going to be to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Um, so I don't know if if uh, that's what the Patriots are going to do, but I think Mahomes will be able to make enough plays, get enough points on the board that uh, uh, I think if I was going to take, if I'm betting the over-under on this, I think I might bet the, the under just because uh, I, I feel like the Patriots shortening the clock, yeah. shortening the game, is going to be a real thing, mm-hmm. but I think Mahomes is going to be able to make some plays. So I think the Chiefs are going to – or I'd like to see the Chiefs get there. Um, that's who I'm pulling for. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. Yeah, I don't think anybody could be surprised if the Pats pull it out. That That's exactly what they do. Uh, I, I do like the fact that you touched on the baseball part of uh, Patrick Mahomes. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I do think that the fact that he played shortstop uh, through a lot of his young adult life uh, is the reason he's able to do a lot of things that he does. I'm a huge baseball fan, and I've talked about it before. The throws that he's making, while obviously probably a little bit more difficult with a football than a baseball based on obviously the size of the ball and, and the football being obviously differently odd-shaped compared to a baseball, but that is exactly the kind of throws that shortstops make all the time. Every single day you see him make it you know, easily 10, 15 times in every single game. So it's not something weird like everybody likes to make it out to be. In all honesty, I know you're a Detroit Lions fan. I've seen Matthew Stafford do stuff like that. It's just obviously not been seen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously does it, it seems like multiple times a game, and it, it does, that's one of the reasons that drives me crazy about Patrick Mahomes because everybody acts like they've never seen this before. We've seen it before. Russell Wilson's done it. Matt Stafford's done it, just not maybe at the frequency that Mahomes has done it. All that being said, I agree 100% with you on what Patrick Mahomes has been through and what he's had to do. Um, I was worried about him going into the game last week because throughout his college career and obviously his NFL career, he had never played in that really big game. But he came up big last week against the Colts. Obviously, that defense came up big as well, really helping them kind of secure that victory. But Mahomes played awesome. I was extremely surprised by how good he played. I do think that he comes up with just enough plays in this one to end up beating Brady and Belichick and moving on to the Super Going to be, like I said, I agree with you on 100%. I I would not be surprised if the Patriots do it, but I do think that the the Chiefs are going to to pull it off uh, in this one. With all that being said, obviously now, so we both have, we both agree that we think it's going to be the Chief Saints going into the, going in the Super Bowl, which I think would be an awesome Super Bowl. And we'll obviously have more time to break that down if that is what happens in the coming weeks when that gets there. What I'd like to talk about now is a trade uh, that was proposed to you. Uh, and and it's going to be brought to you guys by Dynasty Trade Calculator. If you guys haven't ever tried this site out, it's awesome. Look it up. They have great values on players and picks. You just put them into the calculator, and it gives you guys outputs on what they think is the best trade move for you to make. Now, obviously, you, you guys got to make the own decision. You can't blame any one person or side if you feel like the trade ended up badly for you. But these guys, their values on their players and picks are awesome. Uh, they put a lot of time and work into this. They have... Just agreed to be a sponsor of the podcast, so we're thrilled about that, obviously. And uh, every every time we do an episode, so every Monday and Thursday, we are going to bring you guys a couple trades every week, and we're going to kind of give you guys an idea of what we thought and what the Dynasty Trade Calculator thought as well, uh, and just kind of give you guys an idea of it. And again, check them out because they're awesome. They do an awesome job. So go ahead and give me the trade that was proposed to you and your thoughts on it, and then I'll tell you what I think and what the Dynasty Trade Calculator said. So one one of our loyal listeners reached out and asked me, uh, he had TJ Yeldon and Marquez Valdez Scantling on yes. his team. Uh, he had a pretty decent team and somebody offered him DJ Moore 
for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Now, he had just completed a couple trades, and so he actually was rostering Devontae Adams, uh, MVS, and Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. So, while one of the two of MVS and ESB, like, I'm really cool like that, uh, <laughs> is, is going to, I think, step up and take over for Randall Cobb. I think Cobb's going to be let go of this offseason. Yeah, I agree with you so, on that. But do you, if you've got Devontae Adams, who's, you know, he's the, he's the alpha dog there in mm-hmm. Green Bay. Do you really need both of those, let alone, you know, one of them might be sufficient for depth? Right. So he had questions because he's, what he said was, you know, I'm not really a Carolina guy. Cam is going to have surgery. Well, if you look at the calculator, so it's a 12-team half-point PPR league. Mm-hmm. And the calculator basically has it as a landslide. So DJ Moore is at 16.1 points. MVS is at 2.3. And Yeldon is at 2.0. Mm-hmm. So the argument being made was, well, I think Yeldon is going to go someplace where he's going to get more playing time. He's a free agent. MVS looked really good in that slot role, and if Cobb leaves, he might be the one to take over that. Very valid points, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Ye- I don't think Yeldon's going to go anywhere where he becomes a three-down back. I right. think he may go somewhere where he uh, becomes the 35 or 40% of a 60-40 split. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing on third downs, maybe get getting 125. Uh, I think he could be – I feel like Yeldon could be Duke Johnson from a couple years ago when he was getting more carries, yeah. 125, 150 carries maybe, uh, 70 targets, somewhere in that range. So can he be productive in, in fantasy? I, I, I think so. But I'm certainly not going to um, worry about keeping him when uh, he would be my fourth or fifth running back. Gotcha. Uh, Scantling, I like him. I've actually acquired him in a couple spots. But the numbers on this, just it's so tilted towards DJ Moore. Now, is there concern for Newton's shoulder? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is. Um, So what happens if Newton sits out next year? Well, there's there's some decent quarterbacks that are going to be on the market. Um, I think uh, Minnesota really liked Heineke before I I think he – Cut, broke a table and cut himself up or something. Not that he would have been their starter, right. but uh, uh, you know he was he's a, a sufficient player uh, and he may be able to step up. Uh, I think that they're they're more likely to sign somebody on a one year deal if Cam is going to be out for the entire season. Yeah, but they're still going to Moore is still going to be their number one wide receiver. Uh, Funchess is going to be gone after this year. They got a new tight end coming. I expect uh, Olsen to retire. And as much as I like Ian Thomas, he's still going to be new, and he's still going to be down the pecking order. Curtis Samuel is stepping into a role, but it's going to be DJ Moore from the wide receiver spot. And if I have a choice between the number one somewhere and you know a third down running back that may or may not get something done and a, a potential slot receiver i'm gonna take the number one wide receiver it was a pretty easy deal for me to make mm-hmm. um there there are a few people and few teams that i dislike uh enough that I, that a deal this lopsided I, I would not have taken 
I got you. So I, I was actually on the other side of it. He had uh, reached out to me, I believe, either right before or after you two had talked. Uh, cause, and he gave me the same points that uh, he gave you about DJ Moore and uh, not not necessarily not wanting to go with it. Obviously, again, he said the same thing. He uses Dynasty Trade Calculator, uh, and it said the same thing. Landslide in, in his favor to get DJ Moore, and I don't disagree with that. I do think that, obviously, uh, I always try to tell people, for the most part, Take the deal where you get the best player because in the most part, you want the best player. It's going to end up working out for you. I told him to hold just for a little bit because I agree with you, and I do think that TJ Yeldon gets to what to Duke Johnson was. I just think him being in Jacksonville, he was never given a fair shake. This offense has not ever looked good, in all honesty. I mean, yes, Fournette's been great when he's been out there, uh, but Yeldon's never been given a fair shake. Yeldon was good in college. I think a lot of people kind of forget that, and I think he was used wrong in Jacksonville. I think if he goes somewhere, he's going to go hopefully to the right offense and look good. So my opinion was to him when he was telling me he wasn't really sure about what to do with DJ Moore and the Cam Newton news and everything was just hold him. Uh, I would hold TJ Yeldon for a little bit, see if he does go somewhere that's going to increase his value. And then if you really want to move on from TJ Yeldon, move on from him then. You'll, you'll, his value will increase some. You might be able to get more back for him. And also, uh, just based on, I can't remember exactly who he had now, but his RB depth uh, after Yeldon was horrible. I know he had, like, his next best option was Jalen Richard, who is decent, but I don't even know if he'll be back in Oakland anymore. He did have two awesome running backs. I think it was Bell and Cook is what he told me. So obviously TJ Yeldon being the, but TJ Yeldon was his third option. So I said, you know, for me right now, I would hold TJ Yeldon and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and then maybe move him later in the offseason if, and maybe even for the more trade, if he can go back to it. With, uh, again, I just want to thank, uh, thank him for sending in the question, uh, Dynasty Trade Calculator. You guys check that out. Uh, and we're going to do this again every week now. Uh, we'll start posting. I'm going to post something up the day before, uh, and we'll both retweet it out and just give you you guys send us your trade questions or anything, and we'll talk about them and evaluate them with the Dynasty Trade Calculator and give them our opinions as well. Uh, we're running a little short on time here. Uh, I wasn't expecting us to kind of talk as much about the uh, the games as we did, so I think we'll just do the, the top quarterbacks for this draft, and then we'll save the RBs for Monday after we break down the conference championship championship games uh, as well. So I'm going to start with, uh, I'd mentioned on the podcast earlier uh, on Monday that neither one of us have discussed who is in our top five. So you have no idea who I'm going to tell you. I have no idea who you're going to say. So you want to, what I'm going to do, I guess, is we'll start with one. I'm going to give you my one. I'd imagine it's going to be the same as yours. You give me your one and then we'll just flip-flop, go back and forth, and, and see if we disagree on anybody. Um, and I, I like I said, I'd imagine your number one is the same as mine. It, it's Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Uh, I've said, talked about him all, all throughout the year. It would have been Justin Herbert for me had Herbert came, came out. He stayed to play football with his brother, which is awesome. Good for him. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes next year because I think he's better than Tua, but we'll get into that later. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, easy number one quarterback for me in this class. Uh, I know he's only played 14 games, but he's got a strong arm, big-bodied, moves a lot like Ben Roethlisberger in the pocket from what I've seen of him, just moving around inside the pocket, manipulating it to get the ball out. Uh, I think he's going to be a rock-solid stud at the NFL level. I know a lot of people are worried about the fact that he hasn't played a lot of snaps, so we'll see if that does come into effect for him. But I think he's easily going to rise up the board and be the number one, and I could see teams actually jumping the Giants to try and make sure they get him. Who's your number one? 
Yeah, I have Haskins at one as well. Um, I, I I like his his poise. You know, if you get hit a lot, I think Penn State hit him a lot. Yes, they did. Um, you know, it's easy to get rattled, and eventually he pulled it together. You, you know, and it's going to happen when you get in the NFL, especially if if you're the number one quarterback. If you're getting drafted by some of these bad teams, you're probably going to get hit some just ask josh rosen but how do you handle that eventually you've got to learn to overcome it and uh i I think haskins has spent a long time mentally preparing himself you know you they like to show the video of him at the ohio state camp when he was like 10 years old yeah so he's been mentally preparing himself to take on this challenge you know he's got a big arm he's got great touch uh he gets a little bit just a touch inaccurate on some of the shorter throws, his touch doesn't waver, but the, the ball placement can be just a touch off. But he's got a great deep ball, uh, big arm. He, he doesn't uh, doesn't lose velocity when he rolls out. Mm-hmm. So I, I like him. Uh, I, I believe somebody is going to jump the Giants or the Giants are going to jump up. Yeah. Um, maybe the Giants are in it for for a, a longer rebuild. But when you have the skill players they have – I don't know how you can be. I, th- I think you, to, to waste two years of Saquon Barkley, uh, if they if they have a two and twelve, two and two and uh, what is it? What would it be? Two and fourteen season. Yeah, yeah, two fourteen uh, next year. I, OBJ is not going to resign with them when his contract is up. Yeah, you know he's going to be like, I don't need this. I'm going somewhere where I can win now. So they're they're going to need to start making moves now, um, this year to be competitive, to keep some of those stars that have been around for a couple years. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I think, uh, obviously, I think Dwayne Haskins would be a great fit for them uh, with OBJ and and Saquon Barkley there. Obviously, Evan Ingram as well. Uh, I think he'd be an awesome fit there. Um, I agree with you on the fact that uh, he played well in the pocket and poised, especially when he was getting hit. You know, a lot of people want to knock him for the Purdue game, uh, but as a fellow Buckeye, I'm sure you – agree with me the same thing it wasn't he was not the reason they lost that game it was the defense I mean he put up over 470 yards he threw 50 touchdown passes this year uh and got really just kind of overlooked at what Tua and Kyler Murray were doing all year long so I agree I think he's going to be awesome and it's going to be interesting to see if someone jumps the Giants or the Giants try and move up just to make sure nobody jumps them uh for him to be the number one quarterback drafted for me my number two is an It's going to be Kyler Murray right now, just based on the fact that he is going to come out. Obviously, he declared that declared the other day uh, is going to be coming to the NFL draft and everything. Now, I talked about it on Monday's podcast. Uh, It could be all a ploy to get more money from the Oakland Athletics. There's no doubt about it. But if he is very serious about coming to into the NFL, which I think he is, he's very much openly talked about how much he loves playing football uh, and is even a big baseball fan as I am. I can admit there's just something different about the NFL and people seem NFL players seem to love playing in the NFL more than baseball players seem to love playing in the MLB. So I do think that uh, he's very serious about trying to do something in the NFL. So for that, I do think he's going to be the number two of this class. Uh, He's very explosive. Obviously, the big thing for me is just going to be what he measures in at at the combine. That's going to be what everybody's going to be waiting for. I know Oklahoma released a thing earlier this week saying that he measured in at like 5'9", and, and something almost just short of 5'10", uh, which we've never seen a quarterback that small come into the to the league and light it up. 
but I can't I'm not, I can't say that he can anymore because everybody said the same thing about Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, and look what those three have done. I know they you could say they're outliers, uh, but I'm going to put my faith in Kyler Murray and if whoever drafts him, building an offense around his strengths and and making him into a viable NFL asset. Who's your number two? You know, as, as much as it pains me, I, I have Murray at number two as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm not a real big fan of little quarterbacks. And yeah. I think if he if he comes in at 5'9", five, 5'8 five, and a half, mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to really scare some people off. If he's a legitimate 5'9 and 7'8", then I think the opportunity will be there. Um, he kind of – what. I guess as I sat here and, and kind of listened and, and thought, I'm kind of thinking that, that he potentially could be, you know, mini Pat Mahomes. Uh-huh. You know, he, he can get out of the pocket and make some throws. He he can he just does some things that a lot of people don't do. And he's got a big arm. Uh, he's got a good motion. Uh, I get the whole you can't see over the line, but lots of yeah. quarterbacks can't see over the line. Um there was a great story on uh, uh, a football life about Mike Holmgren, about when uh, the 49ers brought Steve Young in. Uh-huh. Young had always been a see-it-throw-it guy, and uh, they were trying to teach him the West Coast offense, and he just kept being laid on his throws. And uh, Holmgren was telling him, look, you got to one, two, three, throw. And, and Young was just – he was late because he was waiting to get a glimpse of that receiver. And finally – you know, they were talking, and Holmgren's like, it, Young was telling him, you know, I, I don't see, it, don't see it. Now Young was six two, but you got six five, six six, six foot seven linemen, and and so they convinced him, just throw it. Do you? They asked him, do you believe he's going to be there? And Young said, well, yes, I believe he's going to be there. And Holmgren said, then throw it. Right. And so he kind of did the whole rollout. He's behind. He couldn't see. Young through it, so I, I get I can get past that. I don't know that if you're that little, if you're going to be able to to take the beating that right. comes with being in the NFL. You know, there's a reason Tariq Cohen doesn't carry the ball 25 times a game. Yeah, or Darren Sproles, and I think as a quarterback, when you have the ball in your hand every single time, um, that opportunity can to get hit is is something that is real. You know, the NFL is a is a tough sport. Uh, I, I understand the whole I'm harder to hit because I'm small, but defenses are going to figure you out. Yeah, that's just what they do. And so a lot of times you, you see mobile quarterbacks, they they put a spy on you. You know, I saw Leighton Vander Esch spying somebody in the Dallas game. Uh, Russell Wilson. Well, yeah. And so you end up and you've got Kyler Murray, who's smaller and faster. So guess who? Guess what? Now Jamal Adams is the spy. Yeah. You know, who's six foot and 200 instead of six, three and 250. But when you're six foot and 200 and you're hitting somebody that's five, five, nine and a half and 190 pounds at a full speed, it's it's pretty close to the same thing. Oh, yeah. You know, that I think that ha- that's what happened with RG three. He was a big guy, but he was kind of skinny. You know, he's six two, I think, 210 pounds or something. And, and the running took its toll on him. Yeah, that that's so right now. I have Murray at two. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That and again, that's that's my biggest fear for him as well. Because a lot of people are wanting to compare him to Baker Mayfield, uh, naturally because of their connections to Oklahoma and and how close their uh, statistics were compared to last year, or this year with them winning the Heisman and everything in Oklahoma. I would say the biggest difference is yes, while Baker isn't much taller. 
uh, then Kyler Murray is, I believe, Baker's like 5'11 or something. He's not very much taller than Kyler Murray. The difference is, though, Baker weighed in at the combine at like 222. Like, he's a thick kid. Uh, he's not 180 or 190 soaking wet like Kyler Murray is, and that's a big deal. That extra 20, 30, 40 pounds uh, when it comes down to it in the NFL is a big deal when you're getting hit. So for me, my number three is Daniel Jones out of Duke. Uh, I really like the way that he progressed this year. I actually had him down at five in my initial rankings. Uh, moved him up after what he showed throughout the year. Really interested in what he's going to do. I think he's got a strong arm. He's a very cerebral quarterback as well. Uh, and again, really improved this year. He hadn't been on many people's radar up until this year, but this year he really kind of broke out and showed us uh, what he could do. I know in Mel Kuyper's latest mock, they actually had him go into the New England Patriots, uh, which would be very interesting to me because I, that would be a very Patriots-like move. I know they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo a couple years ago to replace Brady uh, to draft someone like Daniel Jones to be the heir apparent for Brady. Who is, uh, who's your number three? You know, I have Jones at number three as well. All right. Well, um, I, I think he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, a good quarterback played against decent competition down there at Duke, Mm -hmm. um, good size, decent arm. Um, he kind of reminds me of, you know, an Eli Manning, Matt Ryan type of quarterback. Yeah. I agree. Flacco ish sort of kind of big, not super mobile. You know, is that good or bad? I don't know. It's a quarterback. That's kind of how quarterbacks are. So it it depends on for, for him, I think it's going to all come down to, um, can he process the information, learn the offense, uh-huh. and make the right decisions? Because he's not going to beat you with his his own physicality. He's going to have to beat you by knowing the game plan better uh, than anybody else and um, making the throws that need to be made. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will add, too, on Daniel Jones this year is uh, he did show a little bit more in the running game. Uh, not that I think that's a strength of his because it isn't, like you were saying, but uh, he did show a little bit more. I think there was one game where he actually had like 175 rushing yards. Uh, so he's shown that he can run the ball when needed, but I, I would compare him, uh, like you were saying, Eli Payton. He was actually in the the Manning camps uh as a kid, uh, they, he got a lot of uh, talk through through them as well and kind of learned from them at times. Uh, but I would kind of compare him to Baker in the running game aspect of it. He's not going to run unless he needs to. That's not the strength of his game, but he has the ability to do it if needed uh, when moving on to the next level. And, that, and I agree with you on everything you said. He's going to have to learn, though, the game plans and everything to be really successful. And I think he can as well. Uh, I think, like I said, he's shown that uh, so far this year that he's been pretty cerebral in what he's been doing, uh, and I like his chances moving on to the next level. Number four, let's see if if we're finally going to disagree here. Uh, for me, I have Will Greer out of West Virginia. I know a lot of people do not like him. Uh, they're not very high on him. I, I at, at times, he did struggle in the big games, which is a little bit of a worry for me. Uh, but I like his arm. He, he can be wildly inera- inaccurate when throwing deep, uh, but very good, obviously, in the short and intermediate areas. Obviously, can run the ball as well. A uh, bigger kid, played, obviously, through his senior year. I really like what he's looked like at West Virginia here these past couple years. Uh, and I do think he has the ability to be an NFL starting quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to be elite, but I do think he could be right in that middle tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. But my biggest thing with Will Greer is I think he needs to sit a year. I do not. I would compare him a lot to Lamar Jackson coming out last year. I don't think he's ready, uh, and I do think Lamar kind of proved that this year. I don't think he's ready to start right off the bat in the NFL. I think it would be smart for him to go somewhere and sit behind someone for a year or two to really get acclimated to the NFL before becoming a starter. So who is your number four? 
I I have Drew Locke at number four. Okay. And I hear the concerns about his accuracy, um, but he has improved his accuracy each year in college. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got good size, good arm. Uh, I don't know that he's going to necessarily be a long-term starter in the NFL. He kind of reminds me of you know having a career like Matt Schaub did maybe. Yeah. Comes in, gets sits for a year or two, gets an opportunity, starts for five or six years, then goes and finishes out his career six or seven years as a, a quality backup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's, uh, he's somebody that can make the throws. Um, just sometimes he doesn't always throw it where it's supposed to go. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, that's an issue in the NFL. So with him, it'll come down to uh, pocket presence and, and processing. So I, I think if he ends up uh, being one of those guys that uh, keeps staring down his receivers and leads to a bunch of turnovers, and that's going to be a problem. Yeah. All right, so for my number five, I actually have a tie. I hate to do this. Uh, I hate being that guy who who has a tie, but I really couldn't separate these two guys here that I have. Uh, and it is Brett, and I I'm, I honestly cannot say this guy's last name. But I, I want to say it's Rapine or Rapine out of Boise State. Rippin. Okay, there we go. Rippin. Uh, Rippin yeah. out of Boise State, and then Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo. Uh, and with Brett Rippin, uh, obviously he he was was in my top. Uh, seven at the beginning part of the season. I like what he's did at Boise State. A little bit concerned, again, with the competition Boise State played for the most part and why I had him so low. Uh, but he's improved throughout the year. I've liked what he's been doing. And then, in all honesty, I really kind of bumped him up in my top five after everything that's been going on with the Shrine game stuff this weekend, or during this week. Obviously, the game is this weekend. That has really kind of bumped him up there with the throws that he's been making and everything. I've really kind of boosted him up. And then Tyree Jackson may be someone that not a a lot of people know about out of Buffalo. This dude is huge, really big arm, huge quarterback. I believe he's like six seven. Uh, he looks like Cam Newton to me when he plays. He de- wildly inaccurate at times. He's another person I think is just like Will Greer. He's going to have to sit for a year. I don't think he's ready yet. But this guy's arm is ridiculous. If you think Patrick Mahomes has a has a, a cannon, just watch this kid throw. He can throw it good 60, 70 yards with like a flick of his wrist. It doesn't doesn't even look like he's trying. Uh, uh, he he looks awesome. He's a very intriguing quarterback prospect for me, and I have him this high because in, for most part, you're going to be able to get him in rookie drafts, I would think, in like the fourth round or later because not a lot of people are going to be on him, even if he goes to the combine and just wows everybody with what he's able to do, which I think he will. Still not a lot of people, I think, will be on him and take him, and I think he has a chance to be a stud of this class where I think it's Haskins and then everybody else. I don't think anybody else uh, is in Haskins' level. I think he's... The the clear-cut number one, and then everybody else is a tier below him. But I think Tyree Jackson has a chance to be the number two of this class when it's all said and done. So who is your number five? Uh, my number five is uh, Ryan Finley out of North oh, Carolina State. Okay, so we disagree a lot here at the end. All right. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's early in the rankings. Right. Finley is a is sort of that – he has that prototype uh, – quarterback model 6'4 215 decent arm uh decent turnover uh touchdown to interception ratio lots of years starting um mm-hmm. so he's been able to get experience again he's gonna fall into that joe flacco eli manning matt ryan model yeah so if he can come in spend a little bit of time 
behind a, a, an established starter. You know, he's the kind of guy that you could see maybe taking over for Phil Rivers uh, in a couple years. Okay, um, that's interesting. So, you know, w- without them having to change their offense, if, you know, Anthony Lynn is able to keep the job. So I, I hope it, it comes is. down to, it, you know, at this point in the rankings, there's it's it's a relatively weak quarterback class. Yeah, there exactly. isn't a lot of studs. You know, is Ty, Tyree Jackson is, has he checks a lot of boxes for yeah. me. But you, you when you compare, if you're going to take somebody and say they could tell me that they can grow into Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton. Uh-huh. They're not going to be in my top five if, if you're not them already. Right, right. Cam is a Cam is a, a decent quarterback. You know, he gets a lot of things done, but he does a lot of it running. Yeah. Um, he's not a terribly accurate thrower. Jackson is is kind of a dynamic runner, but he's not. He's his his passing game isn't ready for prime time. Oh and yeah. And if. Uh, the dude out of Buffalo, Tyree Jackson, it is. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. he's not, if he's not to that level yet, you know, I, I he's going to be a practice squad guy, mm-hmm. and you know, f- for probably three years at least before he gets a shot. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's the next Jacoby Brissett. Uh, said he comparing him to a black quarterback. <laughs> no, uh, I don't disagree with you on on Jackson on on any of that. Uh, he. You know, in all honesty, another issue of his is the durability concern. He hasn't played a full uh, college season because of how many take hits he takes because he does run the ball a lot as well. That's kind of why I compared him to Cam just based on the size. Uh, I think Cam has a, an amazing throwing arm. Not, I, I think Jackson's is better. Uh, but they both struggle with that in, uh, inaccuracy, and they both run the ball a little bit too much, in my opinion. That's why I kind of compared the two. Uh, I just like Tyree Jackson. Like you said, he, he checks all the boxes in the physicality part of the game and his arm. Uh, and I do think that if he ends up and, – and I'll, I'll just use – Los Angeles, the Chargers, just because I like Anthony Lynn. I think he's done an awesome job there. Uh, I do think if he were to end up somewhere there where, for instance, he could learn behind Phillip Rivers, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the game, uh, learn behind him for a couple years and then become the starter of that team, I think Tyree Jackson, would you guys would be killing yourselves at, when we talked about this now. I'm like, dude, I think Tyree Jackson could be somebody, and then in four years from now, he ends up being not not Patrick Mahomes, but ends up being one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Or I shouldn't say one of the best in the game, but, uh, but a good quarterback at the NFL level based on the traits and, and his physical ability it is my only point. And, and again, like, I, like you just said, it's a very weak quarterback class. Uh, I just talked about it. I think Dwayne Haskins is the clear one, uh, and I'm really not sold, if I'm being honest on anybody else being an NFL elite talent. Like, I could see Dwayne Haskins going in uh, and being a a top-tier quarterback in his future where I can't say that with any kind of certainty uh, for anybody else in this class. I I, I would not trust saying that about anybody in this class but Dwayne Haskins. I'm on board with that. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today, guys. Uh, going a little over an hour here, which is which is awesome. It's been a while since I've put out such a such a long podcast, mostly due to the fact that we haven't had that many NFL games here lately. Uh, we will be back again on Monday, uh, and we'll go over the RB our top ten RBs, and then we'll break down uh, the divisional games as well. Uh, 
Hope everybody enjoys the games this weekend. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we were finally able. Uh, I shouldn't even say we. I, I'm glad I was finally able to get this stuff figured out on my end. This has been a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but I'm glad we were finally able to get it figured out and get you on here. And I, I'm looking forward to the whole offseason having you on a couple times a week and, and starting to get down, break down all these teams uh, and get ready for the draft and everything going on. Right on. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on. I'm, I'm glad to come back on board i know i hopped on a little bit at the beginning of the season but our schedules didn't match up so yeah uh, i'm excited to be become a regular part of it again uh we got lots of dynasty work to do so it's going to be quite an exciting off season oh yeah definitely will be so again thank you for coming on and then we'll talk to you guys later right on have a great night you too prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready